You're listening to Business Stories with Ryan Arcarachi, where I speak to business professionals from all walks of life. Thanks for listening, and let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It's Ryan with Business Stories, and I'm excited to bring on my newest guest, Coach Joe Tetro, who's been in the sales industry for quite some time. He's got some things to talk about in terms of sales and increasing sales and getting some more success from your sales. So Joe, as always, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. So tell us a little bit about your background. You've got a lot of experience. Um, give us an idea of you know your sales experience, your background um, up to this. Well, day. I don't want to tell you how many years I've been in sales because that'll date me. <laughs> but uh, um I was actually in the TV business, TV advertising for uh, about 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I kind of uh, did a couple of things prior to that. But uh, as a rule, I really kind of cut my teeth on uh, on TV advertising. Mm-hmm. And uh, very early in that process, I ended up in a management slash trainer role. Right. And that was at a time when... Um people were probably doing more advertising on TV because now it's people are streaming more. So it's a different kind of medium, would you say? Yeah, TV is, um, has gotten very fragmented, um, which means you can get it, you know, you can get video from a lot of different locations. People still consume video, but they consume it differently. Right. Um, you know, they time shift, right? When was the, when was the last time you, you watched a program at the time it actually aired? Right. Not you know, time. that doesn't happen so much anymore. And when that happens, that, uh, that affects, um, commercials and, right. uh, you know, those things that you turn off or you mute, um, <laughs> when they come on, right, um, right. those are the things that paid the bills for a lot of years. Right. Right. So, you know, when we look at advertising sales or just, you know, sales in general, in any capacity, things have changed greatly. I mean, Sure. The way of doing sales 10 years ago, 20 years ago is completely different than the way sales are done now. And you're out there coaching. So give us some, I guess, what's your, what's your theory or idea on the way things have really, you know, evolved over the last decade or so? I I think that's twofold. I think in one aspect, um, your prospect or your client is much better informed than they ever were. Right. And I think the other piece is that the plethora of data that's available to them and right on their telephone, right? Um, you know, you can get information now, um, you know, at the speed of light, whereas in the old days, people would have to research for months before they made a major, major purchase. Right. So by time they get to you now, um, you know, I'm talking as a salesperson, but by the time they get to you, they are about 70% decided as to what they want. Right. They just want to know um, whether we're putting sprinkles on it or nuts. Right. You know, it's really gotten, it's gotten to the point that um, uh, they know what they want. We used to, used to educate, right? The um, um, sales kind of has had um, three different eras, if you will. Um, you know, there was the, you know, there was the, the old white shoed salesman that showed up at your door that would browbeat you until you bought. Right. Right. Um, and then, um, somewhere probably around the mid eighties or so, everybody talked about the consultative sale, right. You know, we were, we were going to educate. 
uh, we yeah. are going to educate our, our, our prospects. And um, uh, again, that, that piece doesn't need to be done so much anymore because they're pretty well educated. In fact, right. um, a lot of, a lot of uh, clients find that insulting. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I say, Hey, let me tell you how this really works. Yeah. Um, they feel that they've done, they feel that they've done their reconnaissance. So right. it's, they, you know, they don't need you to take them through it from soup to nuts. Right. Do you think, I mean, and of course, like the people I work with are consultants, they're consulting to sell, for example, a franchise brand, let's say. Do you think that because people are out there researching and they're everywhere, it's even more important now to be, I guess, cognizant or knowledgeable about the content you're putting out there and making sure that you're using the right channels, making sure you have the right content, because obviously nowadays people are looking at videos, they're reading articles, they're, you know, they're looking at reviews, um, getting feedback from, from others. So what do you recommend when it comes to content and what you're putting out there about your brand or your service? Like how I do think you the content? Carefully... I'm sorry. Um, no, go ahead. I think the content um, needs to be crisp. I mm -hmm. think the content needs to be very informative in a very short window. Right. Um, you know, we, we tend to wax on, right. Um, you know, we, we, we're excited about what we do and we want to, you know, tell you every little thing about it. Um, what they want is the meat. Yeah. You know, they don't have time for, um, or, or, or our minds are different now. Right. Um, we, you know, we only have so much patient we're, patience. We're, bombarded by so many messages every day. So your content has to grab them within seconds. Right. Uh, and if it doesn't do that, and if it's not uh, straight up a benefit, um, I move on to the next thing. Right. Um, that's, what, that's what most folks do. And uh, one of the biggest, um, I would call it a mistake. One of the biggest mistakes that I, I see out there um, by my clients and um, and others is um, they want to give their resume. Yeah. Um, they're not really that interested in your resume. Um, yeah, right. you want to come across as an expert in your field, but I don't need to know um, where you graduated in your class or, you know, what year you graduated or, you know, the, the 12 jobs you've had since you got into the industry or any of right. those kinds of things. That That's less important to me than do you have something that's going to benefit me? Right. The value. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It, beha behavior is kind of key, you know, um, behaviors have, have changed, you know, so we look at what we do at, at Southpaw is we look at, you know, behavioral economics, you know, how, how do people buy, you right. know, what, what, what's the, what's the pattern around the way folks make a decision and then they buy. Right. Um, um, when I came up, um, there was an awful lot of um, emphasis placed on finding uh, pain points. Yeah. Um, we don't need to unearth a pain point because your prospect is already well aware of what their pain point is. Mm -hmm. um, and the practice of using the pain point to dig in has become insulting to an, an awful lot of prospects. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give you a, a silly example. Um, you, you, talk to, you talk to somebody about a service or a product and they say, hey, if this worked out great for you, um, 
what would you do with the dollar savings? Yeah. You know, and you give them an answer like I'll buy a new boat or I'll send Sally to grad school or, you know, something like that. Right. Um, and if you choose somewhere during the conversation to say, hey, I don't know that I'm interested or I don't know that this is the way I want to go. Um, the sales professional in the past would say, well, what about Sally's grad school? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, what about the boat? Right. You know, can't you just see yourself out there on the boat? You know, so yeah. uh, I don't think that today, um, I, I really don't think that that's apropos uh, to what we're trying to do here. Right. Right. I think it's a different animal. I really do think it's a different animal. I think um, understanding the psychology and the neuroscience of what people, you know, what they do, how they do it, why they do it. That's, that's kind of the key. Um, me knowing, me, me knowing that, you know, what you want to do with the savings or, Hey, if I, if I buy the wrong thing, the boss is going to be upset that those days are kind of over. Um, yeah. we're, we're way past that. Right. Right. So when you coach teams and I think, you know, when I was doing more sales, uh, years ago, it was a lot about the grind, right? Like just get out there, talk to as many people as you can, get on the phone, do the outreach and do it well and be consistent. But it seems like, has that changed? I mean, has the grind changed? Is the methodology different? Do you feel like there, there's, there's a better way of doing things now, a different way that's more successful or more, more? How do you best use your time, I guess, is my question now as a salesperson compared to years and years ago? Well, just like the prospect has a tremendous amount of data at their disposal, you as the sales professional or you as the business owner have a tremendous amount of information at your disposal. Right. I really should never make a call without understanding the nuts and bolts of your business. Um, you know, there was a time we would, we would meet with somebody or whether it was face to face or on the phone. And we would meet with somebody and we would say, so tell me about yourself. Tell me about what your business, tell me what you do. Yeah. Um, again, if going back to what we said earlier, uh, if you do the um, tell me what you do routine, don't you think that person is saying, man, shouldn't you know by now? Yeah. You know, we, we've scheduled this call and you should know. I, I had a, um, a call and as a business owner, I get people that, you know, trying to sell me everything under the sun. Right. Yeah. Um, whether it, you know, whether it be um, some marketing tools or software or, or whatever, um, I get those calls all the time. And I entertain those folks for yeah. two reasons. One is they may be a prospect for me. And the other reason is because um, I know how tough their job is. Right. Um, and I like to hear what the pitch is. Um, yeah. It's important to me. It's research for me on top of everything else. Right. Um, but I had a um, very pleasant young lady call me uh, about within the last week or so that um, I had answered something that she had posted and she was, you know, she was sharp and she was, um, she was pleasant. She said, Hey, listen, Joe, this is the, um, this is the dreaded follow-up call. And, <laughs> yeah. and I said, well, maybe dreaded by you, but not dreaded by me. I'm going to make it as easy on you as possible. Yeah. And then she said something that really kind of turned me off. She said, so tell me what you do. Oh. And yeah. I said, well, why don't you tell me what I do? <laughs> yeah. And she said, well, I wouldn't know. 
Oh, wow. And I said, I understand that. I said, listen, I, I think we're, we're done here. Um, yeah. You know, I appreciate your call. Have a great day. And she was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> um, and sometimes I will do this. I did not do it in this particular instance, but sometimes I'll say, hey, do you want to know where we went south here? Yeah. And some people that really care about their measure of success will say to you, yeah, you know, yeah, Mr. Tetro, tell me where you went wrong. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, you know, you have as much opportunity as I do to find out about who you're speaking to. Um, right. What, what you should say is, hey, from what I understand, you're a sales and marketing organization. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Mm -hmm. I'll answer that question all day long. Yeah. But to say, what do you do? Mm -hmm. um, that that kind of that threw me. And, and it's not the first time it's happened. But um, again, time is money. Right. So, uh, Ryan, you and I've spoke several times over the last handful of years. And uh, after some quick pleasantries, we kind of get down to the nitty gritty, don't we? Yes. You know, yes. Um, and that could be my New York background. I don't know. But I, <laughs> I, I don't think that I'm in the minority. No. Um, and the research that that we use and, and everything that we do at Southpaw has to do with um, the research of the why. Um, yeah. You know, why do folks do this? Why? Why does it work? Why does it not work? You know, we want to understand those things. Um, so it used to be in an old expression um, was, you know, sales was about, you know, having a smile and a shoe shine. Yeah. And I, first of all, we very rarely see people anymore. So nobody knows whether your shoes are shined. <laughs> right. It's, it's less about the glad handing and more about uh, the exchange of values. Yeah, I would agree with you because I, I, you know, I get, just like you, I get contacted on LinkedIn and, and it's so funny because I, I get these people that send these emails that are like four par paragraphs long talking about what they do. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we can do this and this and this, and we've been in business this many years and there's no question about what they could do for me or if they've done any research about me or how they've, you know, looked into me and, and seen what I may need help with. There's no indication that they've even done any research, even just to browse my LinkedIn profile, nothing. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't take a, a tremendous amount of time. Right. I, I asked the, you know, the business owner or the sales professional, would you rather make 50 calls or make 10 calls and do a little research? Right. Um, because 50 calls is a lot of rejection, right? I mean, yeah. your best salespeople close at about a 30% clip. Right. Um, most folks will tell you, no, I've got an 80% closing ratio or something like that. And we all know that that's not really accurate. Right. Um, but what's, what, what, what is key, I think, is understanding the pain of somebody in that operation. So the, understanding the pain of somebody that's in that industry. Right. Um, I don't need to poke at you to find your pain. Yeah. Um, I have, I should have a feeling and going back to a, a question that you asked earlier, you said, um, you know, what about messaging and content? Um, 
I almost think the best content is question. Yeah. Hey, are you experiencing this? Right. It, 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 if, if it's important to you and if it hits a nerve with you, there's a distinct possibility you're going to reach out. Right. You know, hey, you know, are you, are you having trouble converting? You know, um, are you having trouble filling your funnel? You right. know, you ask those kinds of questions. Um, I talked to a salesperson the other day that said, um, hey, man, if I can get to them, I can sell them. I just <laughs> can't get to them. Yeah. And I get that. But what are you fishing with? Right. You know, um, different fish, different bait, right? Right. Yeah, I think what I would tell people to do, and I think you'd agree is because, I mean, we're so lucky now compared to 40 years ago when you'd walk into a business to sell to them and you, you, I mean, you didn't have the internet. You couldn't go check out their social media, their LinkedIn, their website. You couldn't do any of that. Now you can. And then what you can do is shape your content around what you're learning from seeing what you're finding, you know, and asking them specific questions about maybe a struggle they're having in their business, you know? Absolutely. Um, in the old days, we referred to that as stealing with your eyes. Right. You know, go, go out there and see, see what's, what's happening. See what, see what's going on see what, you know, see what kind of ails them. You right. Know, see what, see, and, and not everybody's problem is a problem. If, you know, that's, you know, that's another piece of this is um, as salespeople, we were always taught that we're problem solvers. Yeah. Um, sometimes we're just augmenters. Yeah. You know, sometimes we're not solving a problem, but we're doing is where we're lessening the load somewhere. Right. You know, and that's, right. that's an, that's an important piece to it. I think. Yeah. Sometimes if you can streamline things, reduce their costs, there's any number of things that you could do. Sure. You could look at depending on your prospect and specifically what they care about most. Mm -hmm. And so. you can get two people in identical businesses, um, you know, two roofing companies, let's say, mm -hmm. um, and they could have very different issues. Yeah. Um, I, a couple of years back, I had um, a couple of contractors that did the, you know, exact same thing. And one guy's issue was that he couldn't retain salespeople. Mm-hmm. Um, because they weren't making enough money. And yeah. so they moved on to greener pastures. Um, the other guy's problem was that once they got in front of the, the homeowner, they couldn't convert it. Mm -hmm. So identical businesses, they were both like six or seven years old. They both um, uh, made roughly the same amount of money. They yeah. both provided roughly the same amount, the same type of services, yet their issues were a little bit different. Right. So I'm not going to necessarily know that by looking at your LinkedIn or, or Googling you. Yeah. Um, but I can say, Hey, I understand you're a roofing company and you tend to specialize in this type of roofing. Yeah. Um, tell me what's great. Tell me what's not so great. Yeah. Right. Um, and if you've done enough of this, um, if you've asked that, that question of enough similar industries and we tend to, you know, we, we tend to um, fish in the same ponds, right? So um, 
if I've talked to enough roofers, I may have an idea of some of the other issues. And I could say, you know, I, I talked to um, some other folks and um, they tell me this. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, we don't we don't have that problem. Good for you. Yeah. You know, um, if you had to change one thing, what would that be? I mean, yeah. that's the magical question, right? Right. If you, you know, I used to in the old days, because I was a little corny, I would say if, you know, if I was Santa Claus, what would you ask me for? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And uh, of course, about a third of the people said a million dollars. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, but, you know, um, the other two thirds would say, listen, man, if there's any way I could do this. It would really benefit us. Right. And then and then, you know, what direction you're going. Right. Some of the things I try to do, too, and I actually did it the other day is rather than explain here's the service, here's the product. I try to say, imagine if this could happen for you. Imagine if instead of you doing this, this happened, you know, and it, it helped things it improved your process. It made your life easier. It saved you time. But imagine, let me walk you through this scenario. You tell me what you think. And 90% of the time they're like, wow. Okay. Yeah. That would, that would really help me, you know? Yeah. So if I was to ask you this, what would you say? Right. Um, and people do, and this is this is time immemorial. People do love to talk about what they do. Oh yeah, especially business owners. Right. You know they, you know they're they're in it for a reason. They're in it because they've got a passion. Right. Um, I the example I've been using lately, and I don't know where it came from, but the example I've been using lately is, you know, if you go into the dog adoption business, mm-hmm. you do it because you love dogs. Right you don't necessarily love making sales calls. Yeah. Or you don't really love the marketing piece of it. Right. You know, so many business owners will say, um, well, if I build it, they'll come. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's not exactly accurate because there's so much competition out there. Right. Right. So I want to ask you something because I work with a lot of, franchises and franchises as you probably know hire people to actually sell the franchise right so if you're an abc plumbing franchise and you want to add 10 more locations in the next year or two you got to get someone to go out there and sell it but selling a franchise is very difficult because the qual- a qualified prospect number one has to be financially qualified mm-hmm. they also have to be motivated they have to be entrepreneurial and they have to be self-driven to run a successful franchise. So literally they could get a hundred leads, 200 leads, and maybe one out of that group is really well qualified. So being in your position, I want to ask you like in that kind of a situation, these are not typical leads. These are people that maybe they're in a job transition. Maybe they want to quit their job. Maybe they're a CEO, they're an executive, and now they want to branch off and do their own thing. And that's a hard sell because you know, there's a lot of things that they have to check off to qualify to own a franchise. So I would ask you, like, when you're in that situation, what is your advice when it comes to that? Because it seems difficult, you know, in that, in, in that way. Well, a, a big piece of it comes down to where do you get your data from? Mm-hmm. Right. If, if you're, you, you have to trust your data. Right. Um, so I would always say that 
more important than anything else is if you're going to use somebody else's list, let's use that term, right? Right. If, if, if you're going to use somebody else's list, you better be very convinced that that list is uh, accurate. Right. And it's thorough. Yeah. Um, but again, I, you know, you can probably ask, you know, just a couple of qualifying questions and that lets you know which road to go down. Right. And I would never leave any of those folks without asking for a referral. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. You know, I, I, people are, um, I think the stat is, and I don't have any of that stuff in front of me because um, I, I didn't do that kind of prep for this, but um, I believe the stat is 70% of prospects say they would give a referral. Yeah. Um, but only about 20% of salespeople ask for them. That's just crazy. Yeah. It really is. And, <clears throat> and there's a difference between a lead and a referral. Right. Um, we, you know, you know, many of us have been members of networking groups, those kinds of things, chambers, all of that. Very often what gets bandied about at those kinds of events are leads. Yeah. You know, um, I don't really want a lead from anybody. What I want is a referral. Right. You know, if you're at a, um, you know, if you're at a B&I meeting um, and they say, Joe, what kind of leads do you want? I'd say, I, I, I tell them flat out, I don't want any. Yeah. What I'd like is everybody in this room to introduce me to one person you think I could help. Right. Just one. Yeah. You know, and I would, you know, I would go to networking meetings and I've been going to networking meetings since, you know, the eighties. Mm -hmm. And um, there were guys that would give out 50 leads at a meeting. Mm -hmm. um, that there's a little, you know, that's a little work. Yeah. Um, I would much rather say to you, Hey, Ryan, um, you know, I work with a fella that may be interested in what you've got. I don't know if he is, but you know what I'll do is I'll grease that rail. I'll call him and tell him um, that I think you guys should chat. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're not make you, you know, the old expression, right? Never make a cold call again. You know, right. you're only making warm calls at that point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's important. I, I think it's very important. Cold calling is um, vicious. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, we've all heard cold calling is dead. Um, those of us that are in the sales trade say that it's not. Um, but it would be great if it was. <laughs> yeah. You know, because then we wouldn't have to do it. Right. You know, but... Um, we can only handle X amount of clients um, in a given period. We look at our clients from a quarterly basis and um, amongst all the coaches, we can probably all handle, you know, 12 a piece. Let's say that's the number. Mm -hmm. um, we got to talk to a lot of folks in order to get to 12. Yeah. Um, but with that, that's our, that's our sweet spot. When we're all at 12, we're all doing great. Right. You know, the organization's doing great. Um, but I would much rather make, you know, 
40 calls to get 12 than to make 300 calls to get 12. Right. And I think just to touch on what you said earlier, I mean, if you do your due diligence and you research and you get a really solid list of prospects who fit your, your uh, niche, let's say, mm-hmm. you're going to have more success rather than calling 100 people who are eh, maybe maybe good. Pro- you don't know. I mean, they could just could be a long shot, right? So it comes down to, to really refining your profile of the ideal customer and I think targeting those people. When you... Say? You know, when you ask when you ask somebody who buys your product, mm-hmm. they'll often say, "Well, anybody can." Yeah. Um, I challenge you that about eighty percent of your clientele looks very much alike. Yeah. So create a dossier on what that guy looks like. Right. You know, cr- you know, cr- create a snapshot of this ideal person and. In the franchise situation, it is um, probably included, includes age, income, experience, um, you know, um, means, which goes along with the income, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it also has to do with, you know, with desire right. um, and maybe some level of proficiency in what we're, in what, whatever the franchise is. Right. Um, so you're not going to get into an accounting franchise if you know nothing about accounting. Um, right. I will tell you that folks, you know, there are folks that sell franchises that'll say, you don't need to know anything about accounting. Yeah. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. I don't yeah. say, I don't think you need to be a CPA. Yeah. But you need to not balance your checkbook. And you need to, I guess, have a little bit of a passion for it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're, you're not going to be happy doing that sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to, us, talk to us a little bit about Southpaw selling your company. If a client decides to work with you, what could, can you talk a little bit about kind of your, your process? I mean, there's a lot of coaches out there. Everybody's different. How would you say your, your approach is um, compared to others or how is yours more unique? As a rule, we work with sales teams. Mm-hmm. We don't do a lot of one-on-one. Um, we do if somebody really has a need, but as a rule, we tend to work with teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and because very often teams learn from each other during right. the process. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's just like, you know, it's just like being in school, right? Where, right. Um, you know, Johnny raises his hand and asks a question that a teacher may never have gotten to had Johnny not been there. Right. And then everybody in the, in, in the room benefits from it. Yeah. Um, so we tend to, we tend to work with teams. Everything is custom. We don't, you know, I don't say uh, I will be the last person in the world to tell you that there are eight steps to do this, or yeah. here's 15 answers to that question. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a magic number. There's really not a magic number. I think a big part of, of what we do as sales professionals is we need to know how to, you know, um, kind of work on our feet. So um, what we do is we create a custom program for each organization. And that usually starts with a questionnaire. Mm -hmm. And that is a a one-on-one between the coach 
and the business owner. And we, you know, we really want to find out what their needs, wants, and desires are for their team. Very often a, um, a business will tell us, my guys don't make enough calls. And, I, and my answer is based on what? Right. Well, we used to make 50 calls a day and now we're making 12 calls a day and our numbers are down. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense that your numbers are down. But what if you're calling the 12 right people? Right. Um, the qualifying piece is qualifying an organization, I think, are the two most important parts of this whole process. Right. So if you if you can't, if you don't know how to qualify, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to get where you need to go. Um, but to go back to, you know, our, our process, our process is that questionnaire. Um, and, uh, you know, and, the, and it's not, I send you something and you fill it out. I may send you a guideline, but it, it tends to be one-on-one -on -one because more comes out during that. Um, but then what we'll do is we'll build a program that lasts roughly 15 weeks. Okay. Okay. So uh, once a week, for about an hour, we will meet with the, the team. And anybody that, um, that purchases our service can um, enlist all the, all the um, support people they want can come for at no charge. Mm -hmm. So if, if you've got 15 people, we're charging you for 15 people, but then you've got five support people, I don't charge you a nickel for the five support people. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Because they should know what the sales organization is doing. Right. That, that way they can be the most help to them. Right. And, and a lot of those folks don't stay for the entire 15 weeks or stay for the entire hour, but at least they're getting a flavor. Mm -hmm. They're getting a taste of, of what it looks like. So at the end of that 15 weeks, we then go to a, um, a maintenance program. And that lasts about six months um, okay. where uh, once a month we meet with the whole team to find out the good, the bad, and the ugly of what's going on mm -hmm. in their, in their world. Yeah. Also during this entire process, we have a um, kind of a walkie talkie app, if you will. Um, they can reach out to their coach 24 seven. Okay. So if they've gone on a call and something didn't work out or, something confused them or the result was not what they desired, they can leave a message for their rep. And it's different than, it's different than leaving a, a voicemail. They, they can leave a message and coach can get back to them immediately. Coach can schedule a meeting with them one-on-one -on -one, or the coach could uh, set, you know, set up a, uh, um, you know, send a response, send a, a written response. Right. Um, hey, Bob, if you had, um, did you, did you take the time to mention this? Um, and a lot of times that becomes a eureka moment. Oh, yeah. I never thought to ask him that. Um, so if you, if you buy 15 weeks from us, um, you're really getting us for about nine months or so. Okay. And what kind of, I mean, any, any success stories you've seen from 
people following your process in terms of just better results, more sales? What have you seen out there? Sure. Um, well, we wouldn't still be doing this <laughs> if we didn't have some of those. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll tell you, this is a, a combination of um, sales success and, uh, and a warm human interest story. Uh, I had a gentleman that owned a construction company, built custom homes, mm -hmm. and sales were not going the way he wanted it to. He had uh, quite a bit of experience, moved his business from one state to another state because he felt that this new state was going to be more lucrative. Right. Um, and when he got there, he had, nobody knew him. And he had a difficult time kind of breaking ground. Right. So he went through, um, we were together for close to two years. Um, but his why was not to build the best homes around. And that was part of it. But the key was, he wanted to be in a financial situation where he could adopt this family that had lost their parents. Oh, wow. And um, somewhere, somewhere towards the end of that first year, um, his income dictated that he could do that adoption. So that was so, his motivator. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. And I, I listen, we're, we're, we're in this, we're in this because it's our business, yeah. but we're also in this to help. Right. And when you can, when you can facilitate that level of help. Yeah. Um, that certainly fed us for quite, well, it continues to feed us, but it, it fed us for quite some time um, emotionally that we were doing, we're doing, you know, we're kind of doing God's work, you know, and, yeah, and so it's not just, it's not just the numbers. So that's great because you not only impacted his business and his life, but the lives of, of this family, the kids or whoever else was involved. So that's, that's great. That's great. Yeah. That was, that was, um, that was a great one. Yeah. Um, we also worked with a film company that um, produced high-end wedding videos. Okay. Um, and they were, they were from the Midwest and, and they were doing quite a, quite a lot of business. Um, but the organization was topsy-turvy. Um, right. If anybody that called that could afford them bought them based on the quality of the product that they put out. I mean, they had folks running the film department that, you know, had won Emmys and Oscars. Right. So they had top-notch folks. So if you saw the quality of the video, um, you were, you know, you were kind of blown away. And if that was, if, if the pricing was in your wheelhouse, um, it's much easier than getting, you know, a kid from the neighborhood to do it. Right. Because um, you just knew that your product would be a great product. Um, we did so well with them <laughs> that they uh, they turned around and sold the company. Oh wow! Yeah, it was very um, it, it was very odd because we thought um, I mean they were thrilled and you know they were they would tell everybody about us and I don't know how many pieces of business we got through them which was awesome, but we thought we were going to be together for years and years. And then uh, I got a phone call one day that said, hey, Joe, thanks. 
thanks to you guys, we just got X amount of millions for the business. Wow. Um, and I said, man, did everybody stay employed? Because <laughs> you, <know? laughs> um, you don't want to be the guy that facilitates that, right? Right. Um, and uh, a chunk of them did, you know, a chunk of them stayed on and a chunk of them went elsewhere. But um, that was, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's uh, success looks different to different people. Right. You know, right. and people that are serial entrepreneurs, which this gentleman was, people that are serial entrepreneurs, um, you know, they, they very often have a, um, a different view than you and I. Yeah. You know, our, you know I want to leave this business to my daughter. Right. You know, or, or, or something like that. Um, you know, I'd like to leave this legacy behind. Um, he didn't want to leave the legacy behind. He wanted to cash the check. Um, right. And that's, and that's fair. Yeah. You know, that's absolutely fair. That just, um, it, it caught me out of left field. Right. Well, Joe, this has been a good conversation and I do appreciate it. I think you have so much insight that other people could use. Um, so if people listening need your help, which I'm sure a lot of them do, how can they um, find you or reach you or contact you? I would, one of two ways um, would be the easiest, uh, www.southpawselling.com. Okay. Or you can email us at uh, info at southpawselling.com. That's great. So thanks so much, Joe, Coach Joe Tetro, everybody, if you're listening and you need some help in your sales approach, you want to see some more success or be another inspirational story, reach out to Joe. And um, thank you so much, Joe. It's been a pleasure having you on. Ryan, I appreciate your time. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're interested in becoming an episode sponsor, please email me at livingryan at gmail.com. And thank you so much.